I'd like to welcome you all to the OOPSA podcast and thank you once more for joining us today when we'll be discussing all things VLAB 2018. For those of you who aren't familiar, this episode is about the upcoming Vancouver Latin American Film Festival, running from Thursday, August 23rd until Sunday, September 2nd. In order to do so, we're thrilled to have members of the programming team from the festival joining us today. I'll let them introduce themselves to us. Hi everyone, uh, so thank you Christian and Michael and thanks to Diraj for inviting us to join you today. Uh, my name is Sonia Medell and I am the Coordinator of Community and Media Partnerships um, and I also do the programming for the Indigenous Film from BC and Beyond, um, specifically my focus is the short section. Um, and in general, what do I do? Um, I'm a doctoral student here at UBC. Um, and I'm an instructor at Langara, um, and I focus on popular cultures in Latin America, um, touch upon film and dance and music, um, and I also teach here within the uh, Faculty of Education. Um, and I do all sorts of arts-related projects and, and things around Vancouver. That's amazing. And activism. And activism, <laughs> well, yeah, artivism, I guess. Um, and my family is from Latin America, um, where I spent uh, huge, huge chunks of my life, so big space in my heart. Thanks again for inviting us. Um, my name is Sarah Shamash, and um, I share some of these uh, things that Sonia mentioned. Um, I'm a VLAF programmer, and this year in particular, uh, I helped with the Spotlight on Black Cinema, the short section. Um, I also helped to make the selection of the shorts in competition, and um, I also, again, I, I feel like it was a collaborative process. Um, don't take full credit, but I helped to facilitate uh, the Haitian short art videos uh, being shown at VLAF this year, which we're really excited about, um, as well as one feature-length uh, Indigenous film from Brazil. Um, so that's a little bit about my role at VLAF. And uh, I'm also a doctoral student, and I'm focusing on an archive of Brazilian Indigenous films, which informs some of my work at VLAF. Um, Sonia and I are both actually public scholars as well, so we really think about, about our academic work and, and how it can work in the public sphere. Um, yeah, and I also have a connection to Latin America, of course. Uh, my dad, uh, my paternal family is um, immigrated to Latin America from the Middle East, so part of this diaspora as well. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Very busy people, but we're really <laughs> thankful. And some of our listeners uh, might remember Sarah from our Careers Night episode that we recorded in full. So if you haven't uh, listened to that, you can go now. Um, and I wanted to uh, start with uh, a little bit about yourselves and VLAF. Uh, if you can tell us uh, for how long you've been involved and maybe if you know where the, the festival started, if it started as one, just tell us a little bit about the history of that. Sure. Um, wow. So this is the 16th edition of uh, the Vancouver Latin American Film Festival. And I started attending probably in the first year or two. Um, it would have been my last year of high school. I'm totally aging myself there <laughs> um, with my godmother. Um, and she was an avid fan um, well up until she got quite sick and moved back to Mexico. Um, and she would buy us both the full festival pass and we'd spend entire days there. Um, and then eventually I started um, supporting, I, I think I did a couple volunteer shifts or a few volunteer shifts. Um, and then I joined one of their first youth jury cohorts. Um, so that's well over maybe five years ago now. Um, and so that was right at the time when um, VLAF was really growing and shifting um, and I took on 
uh, more roles and joined as a staff um, doing different uh, community partnerships. Um, and yeah, I've stayed on evolving in different roles. <laughs> yeah, I, I, th I believe got involved in around 2010. I was actually invited to be on a panel of what was called participatory filmmaking. I'm also um, a filmmaker and media artist. So um, yeah, that's how I initially got involved. I was invited to participate in this panel, even though my films didn't quite fit within this category. Um, mm -hmm. And then I became more kind of engaged and involved with the festival. And as it also changed and evolved, I got, um, you know, my research interests sort of aligned. And I don't know, I started doing some work with them. <laughs> so would you say that the festival, or do you know if the festival started as uh a means for Latin American filmmakers that were living here to showcase their work, or is it a more local-based work? So there was a shift. Um, I'm actually writing a paper, uh, hopefully to be published, a publication on the roots of uh, Latin American film festival work and action here in Vancouver. Um, so uh, Carmen Rodriguez, she's a very well-known author, um, and she's been a uh, participant and supporter in various roles for VLAF um, from the beginning shared. Um, its roots were very much originally in the work um, or the initiatives of Chilean um, exiles that arrived here in Vancouver in collaboration with um, IDERA, a, a visual org, sort of very grassroots one, to showcase um, what was happening or spotlight uh, back home in Chile. Um, and so it was it was more documentary, so showing documentaries, um, films that um, new uh, cinematographers were quickly putting together. Um, and these films were shown throughout the east side of Vancouver, here on campus at UBC as well. Um, and I think there was a period when that stopped um, and then there was sort of a reorganizing again. Um, from different Latin Americans to begin screening again um, at the Britannia Community Center and other spaces. And then um, I think it was uh, several, so more of an initiative of, of various uh, Simon Fraser University students um, along with others um, and it, it began turning into what is uh, the festival now. This sounds very much like, it, it sort of for me mimics the beginning or yeah, the beginning of this movement in uh, Latin American film called Third Cinema, which has sort of kept on going until now. Uh, for those of our listeners who don't know, and maybe you can also talk about it a little bit, Third Cinema sort of became a movement after people were responding to dictatorships and, and fascism in Latin America uh, with art. Um, there's many documentaries as well as fiction films that came out of these times with uh, from Argentina and Cuba with uh, Brazil. <laughs> and Brazil. Um, there's uh, Laura de los Hornos, which is quite popular film. Uh, <laughs> and now it sort of have, has evolved into more community cinema, which is something that Sonia was talking about, where films are, are being made by the community and then shown and, and networked by themselves. Um, and then you talked about a little bit about fourth cinema. Do you want to tell us about yeah, that? Yeah, so I, when, I think the important thing about third cinema is that uh, it originated in Latin America. It was coined by these Argentinian intellectual filmmakers that you mentioned, Solanas and Getino, who made La Hora de los Hornos. Mm -hmm. And it was the biggest uh, non-Western and decolonial cinematic movement in the world up until that time. So it's a really important movement, and it spread to... Um, Asia and Africa, you know, there's this idea of a tricontinental revolution. So it was a super important movement and that legacy, um, you know, we see that legacy continue and what 
has been termed even fourth cinema, which, um, you know, this is a term that was coined by Barry Barkley, a Maori filmmaker, who uh, talks about, you know, indigenous cinema, basically as fourth cinema. So we see some of this, you know, a different approach to filmmaking, one that rejects, um, well, first of all, it's kind of imperialism <laughs> in all its forms and a decolonial aesthetic. But, um, you know, fourth cinema is really specific to indigenous cinema and, and the, you know, that has a whole particular history in the Americas, of course. Mm -hmm. It sort of connects to my next question, because before we get to more specific questions about the festival, I want to ask you, um, how do you convey and understand the concept of Latin American films? What makes these films Latin American? And is it only where the cast and crew are from? Is it the themes and the plot? Or is it the source where the funds come from? How do you pinpoint Latin American films or art? Yeah, so in the most streamlined way, um, I guess I could summarize it as we, uh, as a team of, of programmers, starting with the director um, and, and from the inception of the festival, always look for the staff or, or the, sorry, the production team. So that's everybody behind the film um, and for the actors and where the films are made um, to be Latin American. Um, we do have a section that's Canada Looks South. And so that provides a space for um, maybe Canadian directors that are doing work in South America. Um, or um, we have some uh, French-Canadian Quebecois directors as well, um, different partnerships um, to as be As well as up. people from the diaspora that are... Yes, ex exactly, yeah. Okay. Um, and so within that, yeah, it's included, um, for example, people like Sarah and I, um, who could be um, doing films here or in Latin America. Um, so we look at it in its broadest sense, but also try to be very um, inclusive and, and still focused within those parameters. I think it's a really interesting question that gets more and more complexified yeah. as we see these like international co-productions and transnational cinema yeah. and um, you know so on um, you know filmmakers a Brazilian filmmaker that makes a film between like Berlin and you know Rio and all mm -hmm. these things so I think it's an interesting question and it's something that we're always asking ourselves but mm -hmm. I think we're one of our biggest mandates is to also kind of educate through cinema you know what the sort of heterogeneity of Latin America? It's, it's true that it's a very tricky question. Um, and I sort of wanted to ask on a bigger scope as artists and scholars, um, what is Latin America to you? Because I see that for this specific exercise of presenting a festival for North American audiences in Vancouver, you have to present and sell a cohesive concept of familiarity, culture and art. So I've always been curious as to how, knowing how rich and diverse and vast the blueprint of for Latin America is, we can pinpoint what makes a piece of art part of this culture. So what is Latin America to you? To be honest, that's one of the main reasons why um, versus other festivals I continue to do work with VLAF is because film is such a powerful medium, such a pedagogical tool um, where um, in the ability in a festival to bring different films together, you're able to at least attempt to try and address um, this plurality and this diversity of, of what is Latin America or what it means to be Latinx or Latin American diaspora um, as it becomes more and more complex. Um, and so to clarify, I don't think that it's becoming complex as time goes by. I think it always was complex, yeah. but that only certain stories were told um, and that it only a certain construction of what is Latin American was put forward because of processes related to col uh, colonialism and coloniality. Um, I think that that's really the power of a film and film festival. Um, I, I think it's a constant tension. 
Um, and again, I think that as a team, we are part of this tension. Uh, we play roles in this tension as it plays out, right? Um, and the ultimate, um, I guess, what we have here right now, the current programming that you see is us really trying to do our best and bringing our different identities, right? Our different interests, um, but always under this mandate of uh, quality. Um, and again, that's very much up for, for dialogue and where that tension plays out again as well, right? Mm-hmm. Because um, that can be related to visual and sound quality. Um, Sarah can probably speak to this a little bit more technical aspects, right? But how different people's um, interpret as well what is cinema and the role of the camera and quality becomes really important and something that um, at least I feel needs to be constantly dialogued. Um, I, I feel that our various programmers um, bring it up. <laughs> we bring it up in our different ways. And again, this allows for um, different aspects of what is Latinidad um, and Latinx identity um, to be shown on screen. I highlight that it is, again, very, very complex. And I think that here in Vancouver, um, we can't carry out this festival without acknowledging that we have very, very active tensions um, within our Latinx diaspora community. Tensions uh, related to gender, race, visible uh, racial dynamics, and invisible racial dynamics, um, to class. Um, you know, as diaspora flows move from one area to the other across continents, we carry all this baggage of class, right, yeah. um, to ableisms or disabledisms as well, and it goes on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the festival itself for me, um, I know Sarah and I have spoken about this before, the actual screenings become spaces where all of these, you know, tensions, so positive and challenging um, you know, emotion-carrying tensions um, play out, you know, so at every screening. Um, I think that's really what is the festival. Yeah, and, and again, yeah, like it's, I think it's going to be hard to just sum up what is Latin America. Oh, yeah, for <laughs> sure. Know, this, <laughs> this is a tricky question. Yeah, and it, you know, it's kind of this, you know, yes, it relates to a geography, and I think as programmers, we're really interested in um, exploring the geopolitics of Latin America and, um, you know, or Abiyayala, which is the Kuna people's word for um, the Americas pre-contact. Um, and we see this kind of her- hemispheric connection here in Turtle Island as well. And, you know, um, something that Sonia addresses in her program and that we, you know, try to address uh, through our programming is also that we are on unceded territories here in, um, in Vancouver. So, you know, having this kind of cross-hemispheric dialogues um, as well as something that we try to invoke through our programming and uh, discussions. I was not looking for a specific question. <laughs> this was great because yeah. it's a very uh, tricky question to answer. But it's so rich to have yeah. this conversation and discussion because it's never going to end, I think, right? Like the uh, vast amount of cultures and experiences and realities that are part of Latin America it's sort of like what feeds a film festival or the the societies that are in these countries and people who are living outside of Latin America who are uh, Latin or Hispanic. Um, okay, <laughs> moving on, because I'm going to ask you um, about your roles as programmers. Uh, I know that audiences attending the festival can expect to find films that are quite famous in the section aptly called International Hits, 
but there's also this huge selection within the programming highlighting thematic films from specific voices, such as Andean cinema, indigenous films from BC and beyond, or the spotlight on black cinema. So how important as programmers is to, A, highlight work for minorities that would probably not have as much exposition if it wasn't for film festivals such as this, and B, to keep that balance between renowned titles that would ensure bigger audiences and other voices in cinema that need to be projected and discussed. Yeah, what a great question, and I think it's um, so important. And I, both Sonia and I also come from a very like politicized um, position, um, you know, not just related to our subjectivities, you know, as women, as women of color, um, but also, you know, really as part of our research, thinking about film from a decolonial perspective. So, you know, how how can cinema um, also um, kind of decolonize imaginaries, or at least address or redress? some of these, you know, negative stereotypes that have been created through mass media. Um, so in particular, I think, you know, when I'm looking looking for films, um, you know, I'm interested one from, a, you know, I also have a film studies background that kind of expands the cinematic repertoire and in terms of, you know, film history, film theory, film criticism, you know, how do we expand that lexicon by bringing in other cinematic languages that speak to specific geopolitics? Um, and, um, you know, how also as in terms of a kind of discussion and, and political discourse and, um, you know, addressing some of these ideas of representation, uh, you know, how can we also um, expand, um, you know, the, these really diversified experiences as well and, and sort of discussions around that without uh, limiting, um, you know, those experiences. Yeah, I think that it's a, a really good um, explanation of, or I guess positioning of, of how both you and I feel. So um, it really describes uh, how I approach, um, or my approach to why uh, we need to include the programming, right? That's um, indigenous film, Afro film. I guess to be direct, it's a challenge. Again, because um, as Latin American diaspora, we're essentially inviting people to come and watch film, um, and, and many Latin Americans are, you know, Afro-Indigenous uh, descendants. Maybe they identify as mestizo descendants, right? There's different ways of, of identifying. But most, uh, the popular tendency has been actually to deny, right? To deny those roots, to deny that past. Um, and so since I started programming this, I've slowly seen an increase in attendance, now, I also add to this that it's short film, um, and short film, I think it's a beautiful art. I, I see so much value in short film because you're essentially, there's so much work and so much skill that goes into a short time frame to properly tell um, a story or, or to convey an emotion, right? Um, but it is um, something that um, is losing attendance. I know that different festivals are looking at the whys, right? <laughs> so I think it's both that it's short film and that it's, you know, so-called quote-unquote minority film yeah. or marginalized people's film. I also feel that, um, for example, for my program, Indigenous Film from BC and Beyond, there, when I explain it to close friends um, or when I started programming it, they would say, oh, okay, so it's like all First Nations film. Um, I don't really know. And I think that as we begin to talk about more and more responsibilities that we have as settlers here on this land, and how we're all involved, uh, whether it's 
through work, so we're within the arts and culture industry, or just as, you know, attendees and people that are passionate about arts and culture as a hobby and something we like to do on weekends, um, that there is this tie. So it's not a separate um, over there, you know, like a Canada thing, a BC thing, right? Um, and so my program specifically bridges works that are from all throughout Latin America and from different First Nations communities, as well as as Métis and Inuit throughout, throughout Canada. And so I think it's creating that link. So it's almost like the programming goes hand in hand with the actual screening space and the dialogues that occur before, within, and after the screenings, right? Um, and each year there is a transformation. And it's definitely not, not easy programming in any sense. I know that I enjoy it. I think you enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, we enjoy it. We think everybody should come watch this film. Yeah. But, you know, we're asking people to sometimes watch challenging subject matter to engage with, you know, themes and ideas and realities mm-hmm. and so on that mm-hmm. um, isn't, always, isn't always comfortable. <laughs> yeah. On that note, and I'm going to guess uh, the same sensibilities were used for the new program that has been incorporated this year, Queer Picks Cinema. I know you know the person who created them. Um, do you think it was important to highlight queer cinema within the conversation of Latin American filmmaking right now? What do you think might be the approach uh, with the selection of these films, if any? Uh, was it a pro, not a random, but... Was it? Was there um, a push for different voices to have uh, in the selection, or was there a, a very specific quota? Whatever you you can share with us, and also, what do you think this group of films showcases about queer voices within the artistic spectrum of Latin America? Uh, so, Queer Picks was curated by Maria Cecilia Saba and Kathleen Mullen. Yeah, and um, again, we'll have to channel our colleagues because they're not here, so. Um we can just say something that we know from them. Um, yeah, absolutely. It was super important to include those voices. And um, all I can tell you <laughs> from, I remember Maria Cecilia telling me that one of the things they were specifically looking for when they were um, creating this program is that, um, you know, they've seen so many films in the past of, in Latin America of um, depicting, um, you know, the queer experience from this, victimized position and so they I know they were making also a concerted effort to um, you know look at other stories that also kind of celebrated uh, you know these different sexualities and those experiences in Latin America um, you know beyond the, the victim position um, I'm sure they would both have a lot more to say about it but um, that's what I can share <laughs> yeah, and that makes a lot of sense especially the way you were talking about how They, there were specific voices coming out of Latin America in this post-colonialism reality, right? Where we wouldn't, we, we weren't having uh, the whole map, the whole truth of different realities in Latin America. So like the voices that were not being heard or showcased in film before are now having a platform, right? And it's sort of like navigating how uh, those voices are being presented, leaving drama behind, uh, Leaving harsh realities, which are completely true and, and accurate in some cases, but also showcasing uh, many of these voices are, are filled with powerful voices of, of, of resistance, of, of, of saying I'm here and this is uh, my reality and it doesn't have to always be encased in, 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 in sadness. Yes. Right? Or a story of victimhood, you know, that they're mm-hmm. also active agents uh, as well, for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to um, bring to everyone's attention that these programs that we're talking about right now, they only screen once. 
so uh, I know our whole team really wants to encourage everybody to come out, um, especially students. So the queer picks that we're talking about on screen Saturday, August 25th at 5.15pm at the Cinematheque, only screening, it's six short films. My program, Indigenous Film from BC and Beyond, and it's called Awa Water Stories. It's all themed around Awa Water. Um, so this is uh, knowledge about water um, uh, from Indigenous peoples, from allies as well. And this screens on Tuesday, August 28th at 6.30 p.m. at SFU Woodwards. And there's a post-screening dialogue. Um, so I would love it. We are going to have two um, directors, the two directors of uh, Shipu Riviere um, coming as well, uh, thanks to support from Wapikoni Mobile. And it'll be, um, yeah, hopefully filled with community partners representatives as well. So this program is very much possible because of support from various community partners. And I'm just gonna invite, you know, everybody to share really how it is that we're feeling about what's going on with water um, throughout the, the mini Americas, right? Just to add one more thing, so again, the AWA program is a free screening, so please include that in this. It's totally free, open to everybody, and the video art um, Haitian program, it screens on Sunday, August 26th at 4.45 p.m., um, and this is going to be at the Cinematheque, and then we have as well the Brazilian shorts. Um, so these ones screen at 5 p.m. at the Cinematheque. It should be on the same day. Um, where can people find physical program guides for the festival for all these events? Yes, so uh, the program guide just got printed um, and we're extremely happy about this. Um, lots of work went into it. Um, you can find it at, we're going to deliver copies here throughout our campus. Um, you're going to be able to find them at the SFU Woodward's building. So that's in um, the atrium where we have passes that are being sold as well and tickets at Langara, at various coffee shops and businesses throughout both the west side and east side of Vancouver. And, um, and yeah, we're going to have people actively um, placing them throughout our city. Um, so people can always as well um, just uh, shoot, us, shoot us an email or give a call to the office. Um, and there's, right now there's always somebody there that can tell them where they can go grab a copy uh, closest to where they are. Perfect. Thank you so much. And um, we're going to make sure that our listeners are on the lookout for the program guides. And talking about our listeners, um, I would like to ask you a little bit about your background and how do you got to be a programmer for uh, VLAF. Um, so for our listeners who are curious about what they could do with a film studies background, most of them are doing a minor or major in it or maybe want to emulate your careers. Could you talk us a little bit through the process of becoming a programmer for a film festival? Is it worth the pain? <laughs> Is it, does it take a long time after volunteering? I'm gonna guess it does. I guess, I think, you know, like being an artist, like being a filmmaker, being a film programmer, I don't think it's a really direct uh, path. Like, you know, you do this, you do this, and then you get there. Mm -hmm. So for both of us, it was different the way that we got involved with the festival and, you know, started doing these, doing these programs. I mean, both stem from a passion for cinema and, you know, and cinema as engaging a kind of social justice, political, decolonial perspective comes from that, you know, um, passion, but the way we got there is, is distinct. So, you know, I have a film studies background and, you know, study film, make films, and it felt like this progression, you know, through just relationships in, the, in Vancouver and, and, you know, 
I didn't volunteer, but that doesn't mean that that's a very valid route that a lot of people do as well. So I think it's, I don't think there's a straight path <laughs> to becoming a programmer. Personally, I don't know. That's my experience. Yeah, um, I don't know. I always took film in my undergrad with the focus in Latin American film and culture and politics. I think it just started with random blogging and writing and posting about films so this is like early 2000s (laughs) um and then doing jury work um and I think it was that being in sort of different so community spaces without that formal jury title um in Latin America um in Chile um and then sort of being in that more formal role here in festivals and I think programming for me, is a wider passion outside of film. I think it's just bringing together, um, and Sarah and I share that again, um, different art mediums to tell stories. And it ended up being that I um, was doing more in film eventually. But, you know, I love uh, programming dance pieces as well. Um, And it it is just that, so creating narratives, right? Um, And having small chunks of time to do so at different points in time. Yeah, so I, I think it comes from like having a passion for it, <laughs> because it's not exactly, at least in Vancouver, um, you know, it's not, um, how can I say this? Yeah, you're not going to be paying Vancouver's rent with programming <laughs> in Vancouver. So, um, you know, I think just having that passion is, and sort of, you know, creating those relationships in, in community is, is a way to start. And that's something for um, for newbies or for new generations, I guess, interested in programming to, to keep in mind and bring up as well, right? So in being engaged, so if you want to go into arts and culture, I guess I do have a strong recommendation, and that's to engage with um, our city's dynamics. And I don't, mm-hmm. I don't like to use our, but the city's dynamics, right, on unceded lands of First Nations peoples. Because oftentimes what's not paid within the arts and culture industry are the staffing positions, the programming positions, right? And that's really the pure sweat and blood and the effort of um, the managers to try and compensate the staff, right? Um, The directors, um, it it goes into... um, grant applications right Um, a lot of grant applications and maybe you get one out of four right or one out of 10 or 20 maybe even right Mm -hmm. Um, and so weighing that and having that in consideration that it's the artist compensation for the artists and the artwork but as well the people behind that are bringing these different pieces and arts together um, and coordinating Um, and I think that that's very slowly slowly shifting Mm -hmm. Um, you know it's been about maybe more 12 plus 15 years and there's been a few shifts Um, but I think that altogether we there's definitely space for voices um, and opinions to be shared about um, what kind of arts and culture industry we want in relation to film in this case in Vancouver. That is a very interesting point because I especially for our listeners I, I like this idea about passion in the era of uh, films streaming straight to your dorm or to your mm-hmm. room or to your living room, the importance of showing up, uh, of being part of a community, like you were saying, uh, especially because for our listeners who are international students and maybe get the idea that, well, they don't actually have to connect to their societies that they live in, maybe or the mm-hmm. communities, the film communities, you have the passion to watch films, but not to engage. And what you might be missing from that and I sort of like to pinpoint this idea of like, well, you're not somebody in the Navy just 
coming out and setting camp for four years and leaving. I don't know if these, yeah. if this sentence are right. I'm not in the Navy. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but the importance of showing up, even if you're not going to get a job or you're just volunteering out of passion, if you can talk a little bit of why it's important to go to that uh, to the SFU building and get that program guide and talk to people around you and maybe the connections that you've made throughout the festival, if you can talk a little bit about those important uh, things as an artist. For sure. I mean, I think getting any job is about yeah. relationships. Yeah. <laughs> so if you don't, yeah, if you don't come out, you don't show up, then you're not going to, you're not going to make those connections and you're not going to meet. Those are also, you know, because it's, you know, stems from a passion, you like, want to meet those people that you can geek out with or connect with or you know speak about these um, issues that you're thinking about and that are important so I think that's that's a, a really important point that you raise um, mm -hmm. in terms of yeah you do you have to show up to come out and mm -hmm. and it's just so rich to hear it's such a different experience watching a film you know on your screen at home that's being live stream and uh, watching a film where the filmmaker the filmmaker is there to answer your questions and to you know bring a whole different kind of insight in their own voice about what this film is about. So it's just, I, you know, I think that's one of the richnesses of the festival. We always try to, if we can, we try to bring filmmakers as well. Um, you know, and there'll be a couple, two filmmakers that are coming to speak um, for the free screening of indigenous films from BC and beyond. Yeah, so uh, for opening night film, I do want to put that plug in. Um, we have Retablo, um, so we have a couple films, actually a few if you include our, our shorts programs, that are in indigenous languages with subtitles in English. Retablo is in Quechua, um, and the director Alvaro Delgado Aparicio is going to be here. Um, so it's huge. This is a very, it's become a renowned film uh, recognized throughout so many world festivals. Um, so we invite you to come out. We have a, a party happening as well right after at the Fox Cabaret with local band uh, Breaking Boundaries. Um, and we have Johnny Hendricks coming. Um, he's a Afro-Colombian director for Candelaria. We have a few other directors as well. Um, and we have um, also a cocktail, a Bolivian cocktail. Um, and this is going to be following um, Cocaine Prison, Los Burritos. It's a very powerful film that um, I invite everybody to come out to watch. Um, and right before Ucamaweke, and this is an Ecuadorian film. Uh, as well, based on the real life um, of a um, hip hop performer that passed away, and so it's a it's a touching tribute, and we're gonna have a, a surprise uh, performance there as well. Um, so again, all of these are spaces. Um, there's also a little bit of a rumor that we may have a um, Afro Peruvian pop up dance happening. Um, coupled uh, before um, one of our Peruvian um, film screenings. Um, and going back to your point of spaces, we have a, a few key spaces happening. And again, this is a chance uh, to, so for Latins and non-Latins, to just come and share in a little bit of what popular culture is. Maybe some of those stereotypes play out about what being Latins is and and you know, for you, us all to engage them directly and see how we feel. Do we play a role in that? Do we not like them? Uh, we have um, several wine and beer by donation nights. Um, so literally pop in like two bucks, pop in more if you can, um, and enjoy some wine with us. Talk, we're all there pretty much all the time. So you can talk to several of the programmers. Directors are always milling around. Um, youth jury will be there um, voting and watching um, the films that they have to to pick the new director. Um, for the new director's award. Um, okay, so Youth Jury uh, basically is um, from ages 18 to 30 years old, um, and it was an initiative started um, about a year or so before I joined, so 
few years ago now, maybe five or more years ago. And we have youth from different backgrounds um, within that age bracket, and they uh, watch a series of films, and then they get together and they deliberate based on, you know, why criteria, um, who the, who's going to take home the new director's award. Um, so again, this does have an impact um, on these directors because it's something that they plug into their CV and as they screen throughout festivals, um, their accolades you know, keep growing. Um, so the youth jury play a big role in this. Um, again, as well, it's an opportunity for them to network, um, not just with the whole VLAF team, but um, people from other festivals and community partner organizations from different uh, film schools. So Cineworks in Focus Film School, um, VFS, Vancouver Film School, UBC, um, they all have representatives that show up at the festival. And it's a great party time. Like I think I remember what a great time I had and every year the youth jury say it's just awesome to have that opportunity to hang out and dance together, watch film, listen to music, um, and a lot of long-lasting um, friendships come out of it. And um, this year, I want to say, so we'd we had accepted 18, but um, we are still confirming a couple, um, but most of their biographies and photos are now up on our website, um, so you can go and check out the youth jury. Um, and ask some questions if you're a part of the broader audience attending. Um, you know, approach them. Maybe just ask them how, they, how they're liking the festival, what their thoughts are, um, why they were interested in joining the youth jury. Siraj, um, who's a part of your team, he's one of our youth jury members. Um, and we've had um, several UBC film students in the past years be part of the youth jury. That's great, because most undergrad students are always talking about film. This is a great experience to also have their voices being heard and feel like they're being part of the community as well. Yeah. Um, we have, um, this year we're launching our youth jury workshop. So this is critical uh, jurying or jury making skills. Um, and it's going to be um, led by Ana Maria Carrizales. Um, so she's um, based here in Vancouver um, and she's worked with different um, organizations. She's part of our board as well. Um, she's a filmmaker, producer, um, and so she's going to be leading this workshop next week, um, just a few days before the festival kicks off. And so again, our community partner tables are always there as well. Um, so not only can you learn about the films, um, but you can come and uh, sort of see how they relate to different things happening here in the city of Vancouver or groups doing um, work abroad in, in Latin America. Um, and. And yeah, uh, sitting right next to me is Sarah, and she's one of the those people that I was able to meet because of being a part of that VLAP space, or spaces, so join us. Join us, yeah. yeah. That's, that's amazing, and I, I saw the trailer for Retablo, and it's one of the films that I want to watch. I also saw the trailer for Candelaria, and it looks like a very... It, it looks light and funny, and it, so there's films for everyone, I, yes. I think. There's films, even if you don't think that you're going to have... Uh, the time or, or maybe you're not as interested in films there are so many events happening too that are going to pull you in which is great to hear too to sort of like uh, finish our conversation here I know we've talked about this point over and over but I think it's important for the people who are sitting in their in their living rooms or cooking or are bussing somewhere to come here um, there are many Latin American students and artists who've come to Vancouver and I would say for any immigrant abroad, an artistic space with even their same language becomes a space of refuge, familiarity, friendly discussion about identity. Could this be an effective approach towards creating and running a film festival? Do you think VLAF has done that or aims to do so? 
And in general, please let our listeners know why they should go to the festival, what they'll gain from attending, even if they don't particularly see themselves on screen. Uh, yeah, wow, okay, so important question, um, and it connects to what I was just saying. Um, I think that um, VLAF has always made an attempt to um, provide a space where, firstly, Latinx diaspora can share together, share together in things they share in common, but also difference. And, you know, in the past uh, 10 years, that's increased to um, non-Latinx peoples as well, right? So people interested in uh, Latin American culture and all of its diversity, um, people interested in, in learning more about uh, Latin American cinema. And what is quality cinema, again, with all of its complexity, right, and, and plurality? So definitely come out. I am still with the festival because I think that it, is a, a constant work in progress, but um, it does take strides towards that. Um, so keeping these spaces open and not shying away from um, challenging conversations that need to be discussed in relation to Latin American cultures and identities. Um, and again, we have a very uh, broad range of cinema this year. Um, I think it's our most diverse programming to date. Uh, we can all at least agree on that. Um, so even from the international hits and the new director's hits, I don't want to leave those out. I can see there was an effort um, from Anne-Marie and Christian. They've done their rounds through various festivals. Um, but to bring a whole like broad spectrum of stories to the screen. Um, our closing night film is Los Perros. Um, I invite people to you know look that one up on our website and watch the trailer as well. So you have everything from stories of... Um, descendants of uh, military dictatorships to queer queer relationships um, and a true story playing out of, uh, of, of um, a couple fighting for custody of their daughter to indigenous uh, feature-length films to comedies and dramas um, and so again um, and there's free content as well free programming um, so come out. It's a space as well that's quite friendly. I think as Latin Americans, at least there's an effort to um, include the youth presence as well. And all the way, way up until, um, I, I, I don't even really love the word seniors, but, oh, you know, our elders, el- our elders <laughs> yeah. Um, so across the generations, right? And actually, I want to also thank our volunteers, um, because some of the our best volunteers have been around since before I started as a staff member. Um, And they are so amazing. And the festival runs literally because of everything that they do. And we value their input. um, And again, they're across that spectrum of ages and backgrounds. So Latinx and non-Latinx. And that energy that you feel every time that you come really is because um, these volunteers show up year after year. Um, and they want to play different roles and help us um, make these screenings possible. Yeah, I don't have too much more to add, you know, and I think as Sunny said, it's a work in progress and we're always striving to, um, you know, create um, more dialogue and inclusion and bring in different communities um, and connect to different communities. Well, thank you very much for coming. I, I'd like to thank Sonia and Sarah, not only for joining us today, but also for working so hard for the festival to happen and to have this space that is so important, not only for people who are into film, but for Latin American people, Latinx people, uh, and for the community of Vancouver in general. I think everyone wins when you have spaces for art, especially for other voices to come and, and sort of enrich the cultural environment here. 
Don't forget that VLAP runs from Thursday, August 23rd until Sunday, September 2nd, 2018 in different venues around Vancouver. And you'll find all the information including how to get your tickets at vlaff.org. That's vlaff.org. And I'll see you all there. Today's episode was produced by Christian Diaz, Diraj Warren, and Michael Stringer. For future episodes, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from.